You're listening to the Spawn on Me podcast with your host, the captain, Khalif Adams, the Baron of Bourbon, Cicero Holmes, and the man who makes everything look good, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. Welcome to Bricago, y'all. What's good, everybody? This is the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. What up, what up, what up, Bricago? I hope you are all doing well on this fine day, this fine evening, this fine time and place in podcast land, in Twitch land, in all of the media content creation places that you may reside. I hope you're all doing well. What up? I'm happy that you're all here today. I want to give a huge shout out to my man, my metal, the smooth kind of fellow man, Mike Robles, who was rocking with us last week on our show from the Xbox team. Magical man who does all the all the CM work that you could possibly do. Community management out the wazoo, as they would say. Uh, Magic back Mike. Magic, yeah, basically a little bit of magic, Mike, to a certain extent. Um, but thank you all for checking that out. Uh, we have some fantastic numbers on that. A lot of people gave him a lot of love on Twitter and on all the social media businesses. Uh, so it's always great to be able to hear uh, folks give us good feedback about stuff like that. This week, we have an amazing guest, one of my favorite people on the planet, on this oh. planet. Uh, gotta give it up. To my man, one of the co-owners of Bit Summit, it is my man John Davis. How are you doing, sir? Oh man, I'm 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 good. I'm happy to finally be be on the podcast proper. I think we did like a little a couple talks at GVC before, you know, saying yes. just like to say what's up. But I'm bad. I'm glad to be to be in the house for real. So what up? What up? Chilling, man. I'm happy. I'm happy that you were here. It's always good to see you whenever we get a chance to link up. Um, you oh, one of the things I love about you is that you always have great energy. Like <laughs> it's and it's dope. But so so like the backstory of how we met, we have a mutual friend in Ster- Sterling McGarvey. I've brought his name on on the show many many times. I've referenced him often uh, because he is one. He is the great connector, as I say, uh, when it comes. Oh to, yeah, he is. Yeah, when it comes to the gaming industry, um, and we met at a an event. Uh, it might have been GDC. Or it may have been another event. It might have been either at GDC or the Mix. Uh, one year was that the first time the Mix, like uh, um, when we had our when we had our uh, you know greatest duo greatest duo uh, uh, <laughs> argument rap duo. It was like you know, <laughs> or it was like greatest like uh, Tribe Called Quest album. I think we were arguing like what's who's better Tribe or Outcast or something in yes. IGN. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. You know what the funny thing is? Is it was the year that I hosted the mix at IGN that year, mm-hmm. and we we got a chance to meet. And I had heard of you through multiple people throughout the, the industry. They were like, "Yo, do you know?" Because basically, you go by your your moniker, Porkins, right? People actually call me that. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I knew of you. I knew of you by Porkins before I knew of you by your actual name, by your government. <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing, and also I'm kind of I'm kind of proud of it, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but it's fantastic, and we got a chance to meet and hang out for a bit. And I was like, John, what do you do? And he was like, Yo, I rock, I rock this dope, dope, dope conference called Bit Summit out in Japan. And I was like, Oh, word, we got to figure out a time to get you on the show to talk about it proper because Bit Summit, I've yeah. I've also heard of in 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 other spaces, but never really had an idea of what Bit Summit was and. And and now when I you know been in the in the industry for a little bit longer, just how big Bit Summit is in the space and in the indie space in Japan. So John, I want I want to ask you, you know, give a give the folks at home a little bit of an overview about what Bit Summit is, you know, how it started, how you got involved with it, and and, and there you go. 
Uh, so, I mean, just like a little kind of brief superhero origin story. Like I've been in Japan for like 16 years now. And mm-hmm. I came, I came over here teaching English as many of us do. Um, and when I, I kind of started meeting some people, I was doing some freelancing for like IGN and a few other places and, um, and started to meet some folks from Famitsu and things like that. And, um, eventually kind of worked my way into game development. So I spent a couple of years at Grasshopper Manufacturer with a uh, Suda 51, like doing their oh, PR right. and, their, and their social media. Uh, for the West, and then uh, and then moved over to Q Games uh, with like Dylan Cuthbert and the Pixel Junk guys um, for a couple of years. And while I was at Q um, Q Games, not Q Entertainment, they always get uh, confused. People get confused by that. But so well with the uh, with Q Games and the Pixel Junk team, um, we I was working with James Milky, mm-hmm. yep. um, former EIC of many many game magazines. Um, and then a former employee of Q Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we and we were like the two of us were kind of like wilding out. You know, we we have a lot of mutual friends, and and we had some some like downtime after a game release. And he was like, "Yo, let's like start a game show." And I was like, "Ninja, you crazy?" And <laughs> and then, um, but but you know, we kind of came together, you know. Um, and it was just the two of us and, and like a couple of people at Q and, and we started the first bit summit, uh, like in, it was seven years ago. Uh, so, and, uh, let me do my math in 2012 and, um, and it was at like an auditorium basically, <laughs> you know, like, like a really small place, but because of Milky's connections and, and on the connections that Q had in the, in the Japanese games industry, you know, we got about like, you know, about 50 or so like uh, companies came, you know, that were in Japan all came out. We had like big media came out. Um, uh, who was that? Uh, like IGN and um, the now defunct one up uh, mm-hmm. was there and uh, GameSpot was there. And like just like a lot of folks came through. And uh, yeah, it ended up being being uh, a, a kind of a special event, and, and people really enjoyed it. So we just we just kept rolling with it, man, and it kept getting bigger. Um, and we you know we started from like you know it, the first event was like only only industry folks impressed, um, and then we opened it up to the public the next year, and we got about like three thousand people came, and then the next year you know about four thousand people. And just keep rolling, rolling. And then, you know, last year we had like about 11,000. Um, we had um, about, I think we we opened up submissions for the show every year. So we had, you know, over 300 games submitted to the show. You know, over those 300, we had about 80 officially selected games. Um, and these are from all over the world, right? Not just Japan. Um, I mean, right. the focus of the show is is to, to big up Japanese indies. Because uh, at the time when we started the show, their indie community was not like the indie communities that you see like in out in the West Coast or, you know, in Europe or, you know, down in like Texas or anything like that or like Vancouver or Toronto. You know, those guys have like kind of like like nice little groups of folks that are all getting together and talking and, and kind of working together. In Japan, it was like really segregated. They were just not talking. Um, everybody was was kind of standing there, their own yard, and so we thought this was, would be a good show to a good time to 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 
bring people together and and um just big up the community to the west and also show the guys if you walk if you work together you know it's strength in numbers you know yeah 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 that's awesome i mean one of the things that i've always been interested to find out and and your pedigree is fantastic like you've worked with some of my favorite japanese developers Dude, it's been uh, lucky, man. It's been I'm 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 blessed, 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 man. It's you know, but but thank you. Yeah. I mean, I I will chalk that all up to skill. I don't believe in luck. I, be- <laughs> <laughs> I, b- I believe that you get put into positions and you're you're able to flourish and shine or not. And yeah, say like, word. Yeah, and you have been able to do that in many many places. Um, oh, you ma- you making me black blush over here, man. <laughs> That's that's the way you got to do it. That's what you got to give. You got to give. You got to give love to people who are like kicking their kicking butt, man. Like people you know, who are out here doing work. It's not. It's not easy to transition from country to another country and then flourish in that in that spot. So like you are, you are nah, definitely nah. inspirational in that in that respect. So you know, I'm sure that there are some cats right now who are here in you know across the world who are listening to us right now and they're like, yo. You know, if, if if Porkins can do it, I could do that joint. Maybe I could do that joint. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, I I totally. I did a talk at um at. I mean, not to, to kind of derail this or anything, but but not the totally. first the first PSX, um, uh, back in the one that they did in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, when I was working for Q there, you know, we I submitted a talk to them. Um, that was just about like how do I come and work in Japan, right? Mm. Because I, you know, I, I just kept running into people, you know, everybody that I know that there's a foreigner that's in the industry here, like kind of had an industry and like an interesting backstory to how they, they, they got in, you know? So we had like Brad Douglas from Sony was on there and who else was it? Uh, Massimo Garini, who was uh, uh, the director of Shadows of the Damned and like a I few love other that people. game too, man. That's one of my favorite <laughs> games as like in the cut. Oh, thank you. That people, people, <laughs> yo, people sleep on that game so hard. They do. I, but I tell people like if you like because I know there's a huge there's a huge audience for video game music and OSTs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To this day, I big up Shadows of the Damned as having one of the best soundtracks of all time in video games. That joint was so on point that I would listen to that just walking down the street, hanging out, chilling. And I was yeah, like, man, Akira, Akira went went hard on that soundtrack. That was his first first you know time working with uh, Akira Yamaoka, who was the uh, the the composer of the Silent Hill soundtracks and like executive producer for the movie. Um, he he went like extra hard for that soundtrack, and it was dope, man. We got to do like that was when I first met him, and mm. and I got to go like do some you know tours overseas with him through that soundtrack, right? And that was my first, you know, job in the games industry. I was like, oh, this is the best, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's dope. I mean, that's the stuff that I always love uh, hearing about because it is that story of like being able to transition to a space that you are unfamiliar with, but being able to, you know, bring a love of, you know, what you do into it was, was, uh, you know, I never really had a connection to Japanese culture growing Mm -hmm. up. I had a connection to uh, martial arts culture, Mm -hmm. but not Japanese culture. When you, when you decided to kind of do the, uh, you know, uh, ESL move uh, over in in Japan, did you, did you have a, like a sense of, you know, 
what you had an expectation for Japanese culture to be as, as a black dude going over there? Or did you have like, you know, that feeling of connection to that culture? Because, you know, we did like anime was always around, even yeah. though, you know, in that age, but it wasn't as prevalent and it wasn't as celebrated by black culture. Yeah, as, there was no black nerds, now. man. Back yeah. Then. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I've turned 40 this year. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, not to like be like, yeah, I, I, I know all about it. You <laughs> know, like I'm the, I'm the, <laughs> the OG, the OG black nerd or anything like this. I know that, that that stuff goes way back, but, um, but yeah, I came up watching, you know, like you said, like Kung Fu flicks and stuff. Um, uh, I think that the Kung Fu phase was kind of like a seventies thing for black, for black folks, mostly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, with like Jim, Jim Kelly and things like that, or Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. But, but like in the eighties, there was like, you know, like tons of like the ninja movies and, and all that stuff that I was, I was way into. And the other thing I was into was, was like just cartoons. And yeah. I didn't care where the cartoons were coming from, you know what I'm saying? And then you get a little older. I think I started realizing like in middle school that like the cartoons that I love, like Voltron and Robotech and stuff like that mm-hmm. was all, you know, being produced in Dragon Ball. It was all being produced in Japan. Right. And um, and so, you know, I would go to Blockbuster Video, you know, or <laughs> or, or Turtle Records, you know what I'm saying? And, wow. And, and uh and just go to the anime section and um and just rent stuff man it's just started i got i got into it then you know um like just old school stuff you know battle angel um mm-hmm. uh you know learned that robotech was macross and and you know ranma you know whatever man yeah and yeah there happened to be there was this uh this import shop um around the corner from my house uh, that was basically, this was like, right, maybe around 95, maybe right when the first PlayStation came out, I think I discovered this place and they got, they got the PlayStation, the, the Japanese PlayStation and they were renting them. This is before it came out in the States. Oh, wow. And so we were going over there to, we would rent the whole PlayStation and rent, <laughs> and rent to, Toshinden and Tekken. Yes. And and then I and they had they had all this anime in there and it was so bootleg, dude. It was so bootleg because <laughs> because at this time you couldn't get anime. If you got anime through like Suncoast Video or something, you would go in and they would sell you like three episodes or four episodes for like thirty dollars. What? And yeah, not a season, bro. Three like, episodes? Yeah, it was like three four episodes <clears throat> for like thirty dollars. So that was like. Um, that was impossible for a, you know, a middle school, high school student. So <laughs> I went in this place and this dude was basically finding Well, he was going either to China because he was Chinese. dude. He was going back to Hong Kong and getting getting bootleg tapes like VHS tapes and bringing them back into the States and renting them or and, and all the bootleg tapes that they were they were getting were basically the the tapes that were circulating on the line online at the time because this is like before you know it was easy to watch anime online too so people would do all the fan dub the fan subs so they were getting fan sub tapes and and like renting them from the store i mean and we all knew it was like kind of it was bad but you know it's like what you gonna do you know you like i gotta right. i gotta i gotta get my evangelion fix right <laughs> so <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's how I got into it, man. So I just I got I was really hard into anime. I had all the anime scrolls up in my in my house, and and I had 
I was renting those tapes and then I was dubbing them myself. And so I had wow. like third generation dubs of like Escaflone and, and, you know, stuff like that. And, um, and when I, when I got into, to, you know, after I graduated, I went to university, I took a year of Japanese. Um, and then I just kind of dropped it, um, and didn't do anything, uh, with Japanese at all. You know, I was still watching anime, you know, but not really, but not really thinking about anything about my future having anything to do with you know japan right so yeah and then my homeboy scott popular big up to scott popular Shout um, out to scott he he uh he graduated we went to the same university with sterling as well sterling was with us that's how i met sterling we okay. the three of us were there and 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 uh he graduated and decided he was going to come to japan to teach to teach english and uh, I came out to visit him and I was like, well, if this ninja can do this, I can do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so after I graduated, you know, I spent about, you know, nine months kind of floating around Atlanta doing IT work. And then and then, you know, bounced out here in like in like the spring of uh, like 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. That's that's dope. See, I was always scared to like make that leap. Cause that was in that position too, for a little bit to be like, Hey, you know, if you ever wanted to make that big leap to go travel, mm-hmm. um, you know, abroad, this is a great way to be able to do that work. Um, that stuff is brave. I always give people massive props to be able to do that stuff. I didn't really get a chance to travel until I was much older. Yeah. Um, cause, cause broke. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but, it, but I always give people a lot of, uh, of props to who have made that transition and, and like made that big leap. Um, I recommend it, man. It's an easy way to go and see the world, like honestly, and it gives you a, a I think, a more complete um, perspective of the world when you get mm. to go and and live in another country. Because you know, you like, especially at the time that I left, you know, it was like it was it was the George Bush era, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and the like. The America's kind of standing in the world was changing a little bit, you know. I don't want to like politicize this but it was different you know people looked at america differently they kind of like so, america <laughs> oh see that's the funny thing is that you know it's like uh at that time everybody was like you know f george bush you know right 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 <laughs> this right like, cause this is right 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 during the iraq war right yeah right but at the beginning Right, right. And so and so th- it was kind of changing and and you know I'm a pretty liberal dude anyway but, mm-hmm. you know, when I got over there, I got to, you know, I got to work. I was working in an in a English conversation school at first and, and I was working with Australians and Brits and, you know, New Zealand folks from South Africa and, you know, Mexico, like all over the world. Right. And you just get to hear, you know, everyone else kind of opinion. And, and then, of course, you could just juxtapose, uh, juxtapose that with with um, with Japan as well and it it kind of rounds you out i think i think everybody should go and live and work somewhere else like yeah. get out of the states man that junk is it will kind of lock your head down i think in a way i'm trying so, man i, w- I want to do it for a year but my wife she likes all this hiking business out here in oregon i'm like yo chill b like <laughs> like let's, they, they got mountains in other places <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying i feel you on that i feel you on that for real um one of the things that I've always wanted to ask you about, um, since you've had so many uh, touch points with Japanese developers, how has the conversation changed or how have you kind of received it where 
you know, you have this background in the games industry now where you have an idea of kind of what Japanese game development looks like. I think that the version that we we hear over in our part of the world kind of think of Japanese development is that it's like kind of strict in a lot of ways, like very, very kind of regimented in the way that things get done. Yeah, what, what's yeah. what's what's been your kind of perspective on you know especially because this whole bunch of conversations now about crunch and everyone yeah. here is trying to unionize and everyone's trying to figure out ways to make working situations better for game developers and everyone in the industry what's been your perspective about that kind of stuff from the you know the side uh in the, in the japanese parts of the world yeah well, i mean i have to i kind of had to preface this by saying like i don't i haven't worked for um in the west and in games at all right 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 Um, right. so my only experience has been in japan but i've worked for two very different companies well not very different but two different companies you know one company uh was very japanese and that would be you know uh ghm graphic copper and and the other q was you know kind of half and half um but you know Growing up and and kind of idolizing Japanese games, especially like if you if you were playing games in the '90s, like that was all there was. Unless you were a PC gamer, and you right. know, I was lucky enough to be to be to love PC games and and console games. But but you know, console games were like all like it was all about Japan, right? So, um, so I I, I had I didn't think anything about the working conditions or like how the games were being developed or anything like that, you know. And when I when I got into Grasshopper. It was it was a real kind of slap in the face because huh. it was my it was my first time working at a at a completely Japanese company because when I worked at when I worked in um in the you know in the ESL the first the first company I worked in was a you know, you know conversation school and and that was like very that was like kind of outside of I think a lot of you know, like I was there to to teach and then I would go home and not really be involved in any of the company politics or anything like that. Right, and then the next thing I had was was working in um, in elementary schools and um, and junior high schools and and business and stuff like that. So I was teaching with that, and and working in the elementary school or middle school, it is like like a kind of like a little a little company in the sense, you know, it was like all my coworkers were Japanese, you know, but but you know, I was still kind of outside of it, you know, I was the I was the guy that was visiting like you know a couple days a week to teach some classes, and then right. Leaving. So I got into Grasshopper and I had this kind of, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew that Grasshopper had this reputation of being like this really, you know, punk indie, you know, kind of style um, company. And then I got there and it was like cho, like cho futsu, like in Japanese, that means like, like so like normal Japanese business company. Mm. You know, the, the office was... You know, the office we had in Shin- they had in Shinjuku was like, you know, this big open space with a bunch of like not even cubicles, just, you know, like rows of tables. And then the developers were kind of in like semi cubicles. And um, and it was like really, you know, it was regimented, man. It was it was kind of strict and um, it was surprising to me, actually. Um, and I, I think that that it it as far as the work culture goes, it's very, there's, there's a lot of crunch, you know, but, but that's, it doesn't, it's not even considered crunch here. Right. 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 Because everybody works late. 
yeah. you could see it. You could see it in Grasshopper. There was a there was a problem because they had when we were working on. I was there for Shadows of the Damned and Lollipop Chainsaw, the two the two biggest titles that are uh, Killer is Dead, um, right? Things like that, and and they had most of the te- like a lot of the team would be foreigners because Grasshopper they didn't have a lot of experience doing Unreal at the time, so they were. Oh. You know, they, they hired foreigners to come in and and <clears throat> do a lot of help with the Unreal development, and so these guys are used to like working from the working the a lot of hours that they have. So they go in at ten, they leave at seven, you know, or six or seven or whatever the the, the you know the time was. But the Japanese guys that were there would go in at ten, and they would leave at like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, you know. Because they would stay until their, you know, their higher ups had left, or you know, they would just stay because they were. It was kind of their, you know, they would just work slowly. <laughs> it wasn't like they were in no <laughs> rush to get home. You know what I'm saying? Whereas right. all the foreign guys were like, "Yo, let's get out of here at seven o'clock. <laughs> I'm, I'm done." You know, so that was a big. It was a big shock. It was a culture class too, man. I think that the people it caused a lot of divisiveness in the studio. I think it caused some resentment among the Japanese staff looking at the foreign guys, like you guys aren't working hard enough. And then the the foreign guys looking at the Japanese staff, like you guys ain't working smart enough. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I never really thought of there being that not standoff, you know what I mean? But it's that like mutual understanding of what the cultural meaning of work is for all the yeah. folks who, who, who are in those uh, mutual offices, right? Is it That's... something, is it something where, um, when you think about the work that was done in those spaces, do you feel like, cause I, like, I personally love both of those games and it's, I guess it's a hard question to ask, but it's like, do you feel like that particular work ethic is the reason why some of the the Japanese games that we all have come to know and love have kind of gotten to the the place and status that they've been like I wonder if you know if it's more about the cultural aspect of what um kind of Japanese culture and Japanese imagination brings mm-hmm. to some of those games as opposed to just working super hard or if it's I guess a little bit of both right I think it depends. It depends on the developer. I would say that definitely a studio like Grasshopper, it's it's a very kind of auteur uh, driven um, studio. Like you know, Suda is is a scenario writer by, mm. by by trade. You know, he doesn't he doesn't deal with the technical stuff. You know, so he comes up with crazy ideas. Um, and I think there are a lot of a lot of your favorite. I'm not gonna name names. <laughs> a lot of your favorite. <laughs> Japanese game developers, you know, that are out on, in in the public, you know, are not are not really the technical guys. They're guy, they're idea guys, you know, and and uh, and Suda, like Suda won't say that, you know, that he's like doing game design. I don't think he'll he'll get out on in public and say that um, he is like the idea, you know, guy. You know, like when we did Shadows of the Dam, it was a collaboration between. Um, um, Grasshopper, helmed by, you know, Basuda51 um, and uh, Mikami Shinji, or Shinji Mikami, uh, of, of Tango and Resident Evil fame. 
and uh, and uh, Akira Yamoka of you know Silent Hill fame, and and Mikami-san would come in. We would have like you know weekly meetings with him, and and um, my wife she she also worked at Grasshopper, uh, and she was uh, like his his uh, she was a production manager on um, Shadows of the Dam. And so she would be in these meetings and like basically, you know, Mikami-san would like look at the build and give them feedback and be like, no, you got to change this. You got to change this. The player's not going to understand this. You know, you need lighting here. You know, you need to guide the player this way. You know, okay, these weapons feel like, you know, and 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 just basically give a bunch of feedback about, you know, what was good and bad about the game. Um, and and then, you know, they would take that, the director would take that back to the team. Um, director was a, was an Italian guy, uh, Massimo Guardini. Um, he would take back, that back to the team and they would, you know, make the adjustments, but it wasn't like, you know, Suda was there to like kind of guide the, the overall flow of the story, you know? So. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's what you think of, right. When you think of Suda games, right. Like the, you think of the outlandish, <laughs> super imaginative out of the box thinking, yeah, stuff. I I cut you off before you were about to finish up a, a thought. No, nah, like I was no no. You can cut me off anytime because I would just ramble and ramble and ramble. <laughs> it's like it's it's like eleven eleven a.m. right now, and like I've been this week. I've probably had like maybe a combined six hours of sleep. Someone oh was weird. God, a weird like a uh, like kind of high, kind of exhaustion <laughs> thing. Oh no! And I'm and I'm so excited to be doing something that's not involved with planning that I'm just like getting here. <laughs> <laughs> i'm happy I'm, about that that makes me happy and i'm also like talking. praying for you to get some sleep <laughs> oh brother so i sleep there's no rest for the weary man i sleep i sleep when i'm dead yeah basically um, i'm i'm with you on that one i'm with you on that one i want to i want to want to funnel go ahead i'm sorry uh but for prefer like as far as is you know i talk to you know to other a lot of japanese devs and you know they will tell me that you know the guys coming up that were making games in in the Famicom, the Nintendo era, and and like the early PlayStation era, they were all like like engineers basically, not game designers. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons that some of those games are so hard. Yeah, because these guys had no clue how to like really tune games. You know, they just had ideas for stuff that they thought was fun, and then they did it. Mm. Um, and and I don't I don't think that that's necessarily like a um cultural thing you know mm-hmm. i think it was just a kind of an industry growing you know type thing and uh and if anything like now um i think that the the way the japanese culture works in business where you're always kind of deferring to your people your senpais your people above you mm-hmm. um i think it's it's kind of hampered them in a way and they're just kind of turning the corner on over on that in the past like you know in this generation where you see you know more interesting japanese games start to come back out um in japanese and you see a lot of people leaving leaving the big studios to like to to do their own stuff you know and, and make indie games because it was it was just a little too much bureaucracy and a little too much you know focus on the traditions and we gotta we have to do it this way and and not enough um the younger guys don't come in and feel like that they can really contribute other than um than saying like they, they're not encouraged to like give their opinion you see that you'll see in like in in uh, western developers or the western developers that i worked with you know um would would be very outspoken about the problems that uh, with the game or the, the problems with the game design you know they felt or the problems with the way the studio was being run and and, and that caused like a, a lot of conflict, man, uh, between mm. 
between uh, East and West inside both of those studios. You know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus by like saying any names, but there's definitely tension that that happens because of those, those kind of cultural things, and it bleeds into the games huh. um, that in ways that they're hard to kind of quantify. Um, and I think that's probably across the board. I think that big companies like like Konami or Bandai and stuff, they're like they're pretty set in their ways, man. But but you know, every once in a while, man, I think that it it uh, especially for mid-sized studios that that have a mixed um, um, uh, cultural, you know, and ethnic and and you know, country makeup, you know, I think that stuff those conflicts can bleed in, and I think the lack of those conflicts, the lack of 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 you know, can can really change the way that you know can make things stale for for those big companies as well. Yeah, I mean that's the stuff that we kind of think about, and it's it's I guess it's the the kind of impetus again, like for stuff like Bit Summit, right, where you have so many amazing devs who are in that region. I'm sure, like you said, some of them are like, hey. I've had this side project in my head for a very long time and I need to get it out of my brain. Here is a good spot for me to go to, to, you know, to, to get it in people's faces and to be able to have them be able to play it. What, yeah. What's, what's the conversation been like in terms of bit summit um, for, you know, I know you probably get a bunch of submissions and that's kind of probably risen every year. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, I mean, I worked at, uh, um, uh, the indie mega booth for a while too. I think I was working with the mega booth when I first met you. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Um, and, uh, and they, they usually get, you know, I think for around three to 400 submissions for every show. And once we opened up submissions to bit summit, you know, the first year, I think it was like maybe 150, and then it started growing and now it's a bit kind of leveled out. We usually get about, you know, between 250 to 300 games submitted. Wow. That's um, a lot though. That's a lot to have to go and kind of dig through and curate. Oh, brother. What's the process look like for that? I'm always curious. What's that? What's that look like? So we have a committee here, like internal. So a bit some of this put on by, um, by, Japan uh, Independent Games Aggregate or Jiga Jiga what? Um, <laughs> and Jiga who is me? Uh, is me and uh, uh, <laughs> my, myself uh, Q Games. Um, um, sorry, I'm on my second beer. Oh, you're good. Yeah, in the morning, folks. <laughs> liquid courage liquid courage what's a podcast without liquor yeah basically <laughs> they don't exist uh, um um so it's a yeah it's a q games um my company black sheep um pick me games um and uh ddm um uh ddm managed or uh, was it was it D, yeah, ddm yeah that's uh ben judd's company um, and uh, and skeleton crew. So basically, someone from each of those companies is is going through and looking at all the games, and then we invite um, key members of the Japanese games industry um, and like uh, key members of people people who have been involved in Bit Summit from the beginning. Um, like some of the Kyoto's got a lot of universities, a lot and like a lot of game programs. Act you know, kind of um, out of which is kind of. You know, how do I say it in English? Uh, not, not unexpected, but yeah. Mm. So, um, 
so we have people like professors and stuff that come in. Um, we have game developers that come in. We have like some uh, media and influencers that we trust are not going to go out and and uh, and talk about the stuff in public that we invite. So we have a, a jury of about 60 people. And of those 60 people, maybe about half of them are really active. A lot of, oh, a lot of uh, people who work in localization too in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, 8-4 so crew about, in those, in those crowds? The 8-4, no, 8-4, they have been judges before, yeah. Um, but they're pretty busy. Um, but yeah, they have done it before. But in a lot of freelance localized, localization folks that have just like love, you know, Japanese games. Um, and so we go through um, and, you know, everyone in, in Jigo, we look at every single game. Um, you know, so I spend, I spend, it takes me about um, about six weeks of doing, you know, like 10, you know, five to 10 games a day. Wow. Just playing the game, playing the game for like 10, 15 minutes, you know, or more if I really like it. Um, watching a lot of videos, reading the comments about the games from other judges. They can't, like, since I'm an admin, I, I do the whole, I admin the whole submission process, so I get to see everybody's opinions. Mm. Um, and and then, yeah, we, we, we write it all down and then we get together, um, uh, at the end of the process and argue for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then we send out the invitations and we have, we have like, uh, it's, it's kind of a disparity. I think that a lot of, um, Western Indies have got their act together. They've mm-hmm. been, they've been doing this, you know, for a while now. Uh, whereas Japanese Indies is a lot of times it's like, there's one guy doing it by himself. So, it's kind of hard to compare that to like, like a, you know, like a dead cells or, you know, it's like motion twin, you know, right, or, right. or like a, or like team cherries, like hollow Knight or something. Um, both games of which have been a bit summit in the past. Um, you like, you like, you definitely want to give, you know, those games consideration and say, okay, you know, these are our amazing games. They should be in the show. Um, but but you know we can't just just let Western indie games because of like their high production quality, high production value, like come in and just take over the whole show. Right. So right. so we we try to have a you know a a kind of seventy thirty split between Japanese indies and then indies from the rest of the world, and it kind of goes up and down. This year we have I think we have sixty Japanese indies and about forty Western, and Western also includes China, you know, um, Korea. Taiwan, mm. um, not just then, of course, Europe, uh, the US, you know, Mexico. We've got a game from Peru this year. Um, oh, nice. Uh, last year, we had a game, uh, Semblance. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. They, they, they came from South Africa. Shout mm-hmm. out to Sugar, Sugar yeah. and Riker. Um, so, yeah, we, that, that's, that's kind of the process. So, you talked a little bit about the kind of scene in japan and and how not necessarily that it's we're not going to classify it as behind kind of the west in that way in terms of the indie scene there but there is some level of uh you know togetherness in terms of you know marketing and in terms of um kind of multi-team multi-person yeah. development when it comes to yeah. indie games on our part even, of the world even the term indie like you know it like the Indie scene, I think, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's really, I think there's something that's helped galvanize Japanese devs, um, yeah. in a sense, you know, and uh, even the term indie, when we started the show, like, we were really worried about using the term, you know, indie game show, because 
indie in Japan means you ain't official and you like you like just low quality. Uh, okay. Um, there's always been an indie scene here just called Dojin, right? Mm-hmm. And but that applies to to like comics, you know, it applies to it's basically just means you're doing it personally, you know, like a okay. hobby. And so um so there's Dojin games, um, which have like kind of always been considered as being like kind of low quality and like they and they they kind of infringe on IP rights as well um but they don't sell the stuff it's not it's just basically there to for them to to um uh, a passion project right so we wanted to to kind of differentiate that like indie is not just necessarily dojin not to say there's anything wrong with dojin i love dojin games sure you know, we we publish we you know over i work for sony music entertainment japan um our new indie label called untied and we publish games uh toho games which are like dojin games and um there was so there was just kind of like just this idea that indie wasn't really legitimate you know and that's changed over the past seven years and i think you know bit summit has a lot to do with that yeah i mean you, you get to stamp and kind of give the blessing to a lot of these games that might not have been seen before and now have an audience and also you know get some uh they they have industry people kind of giving their blessing to the work that they've been doing and kind of legitimizing it in a different way, which is super yeah. dope. Like I appreciate yeah. the fact that that's like a part of the process that happens. Yeah. Um, since you've worked in both kind of, uh, indie mega booth, uh, spaces and now in bit summit spaces, have you seen in terms of indie development or indie games themselves, um, you know, in the big Venn diagram, have you seen a lot of similarities between the games that have come across, you know, those two spaces? Do you feel like, you know, we see that there are trends in AAA spaces and AA spaces. Do you find that those trends are still happening as well in, you know, cross-culturally in the indie space? Mm, I'm not as much in Japan. Um, I feel like, mm. like, like if you can just go on the website that summit.org and look at the games, and see that like all the, the games coming out of Japan are diametrically like just different. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just different, man. You know, they, they're, you'll, I mean, you'll see your kind of, you know, um, typical, you know, multi, you know, local multiplayer game or Metroidvania or something like that. But like, we got a game this year that's like about making Chalhan, about making fried rice. Um, <laughs> that's dope. And, um, you know, there, so they're just kind of all over the place, man. You know, um, I, I love that about Japanese games and like, I don't, I don't think that even, even big Japanese companies, you go back to like the PS1 era, you know, like, like there was a game, um, in the PS1 simple series that was like, uh, like, uh, called Ka, which means mosquito. Mm. It was about like you being a mosquito and going around stinging people. Oh yeah. I do remember that. Yes. And that was published by, you know, like a big publisher, you know, and it was and like the, the, the whole thing is, is that you're stinging people because you're, you know, you're a mosquito, but you're an acupuncture expert, you know, <laughs> so you have to sting <laughs> them in the right spot and not get shot. I mean, I get not get swatted um, like so that there is definitely like really different stuff coming out of, out of Japan um, um, and in Asia in general, I think that you, then what you see in um and Western indie spaces. Uh, we have another game from a guy named Somi, um, who a uh, uh, single developer out of Korea called Legal Dungeon, and it's mm. like a, a point and click 
um, kind of almost adventure game, really text based, but it's about like like kind of navigating the legal system um, uh, for for police and uh, for prosecutors uh, in order to put together evidence, you know, to, for a case. What? You know? That's <laughs> yeah. dope. Um, you know, and then you have, you know, then you have, you know, a lot of, of, of I think in, in China, especially, you have a lot of stuff that is like very similar to, um, to like the popular stuff, you know, uh, uh, like action RPGs and um, um, top down, like isometric uh, games and Metroidvanias and stuff like that. So you, it just runs a gamut, man. But, but um, as far as like the, the, the truth, like it's hard to, to pin down. Um, when I was with the Mega Booth, man, you could see, man, you could see the indie trends. Like, cause we would like have one year, like everybody is submitting like a Metroidvania. Everybody right. submitting like a, a local multiplayer co-op game or, or battle arena game or something. And, and for BitSummit, it hasn't been like that. You know, it's, it's, they're just all over the place, man. Yeah. It, it feels like, and from what I've heard from folks who have kind of been in those development spaces and have seen the work that comes out of those, out of those regions. I, I, and tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like the the indie development stuff that happens over here in the U.S. at least, like there is a tinge more of like, I really want this thing to to kind of pop and blow up. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like capitalism kind of has its claws in it a little bit more. Yeah. And it sounds like Japanese development in that way is like art for the sake of art, right? It's like, at least in in some in in some stances, right? Which is like, yeah, I, I mean, everybody make... wants their game to sell. Everybody yeah. wants to quit their day job, you know, and do and do what they want to do. Um, yeah. So I I, I don't want to like you know just just kind of uh, put them on some pedestal uh, yeah. for that and say that they you know they're they're real indie. Yeah, <laughs> like I hate that. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um. But uh, but yeah, I think I think that you're you're right in some sense. I think that like you know, Western Indies are are have a different mindset um, as far as uh, their responsibility towards their employees. Mm. You know, you know uh, it, it. I think we all have to think about it, and um, before we like judge people and say, you know, where you're you're making a game that you just want this game to sell or something like that. You know, like. Like, yeah, of course you do, because, you know, I have like five guys that have families, you know, or five. Sorry, let me check my biases at the door. I have five people. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. That have that have families or lives and they need they need to, to, you know, to support them. So we need this to be successful in some sense um, so that we can continue to to do this. Um, But, uh, you know. Like, like, like we have a, I'm looking at the site right now. We have a game called uh, Madorica Real Estate. It's like a, you're a real estate agent that's that's um, uh, trying to sell properties. But before you go to the property, these properties are all like haunted. So you have to figure out why it's haunted <laughs> and like exercise them. Um, we have another game called Boku no Keshigomu, which means my eraser. Um, mm. That basically takes the. I don't know if you ever ever played this game when you were in elementary school, but you have a, a desk and you have two people on each side, and you're trying to knock the other person's eraser off. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a game about that. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's so dope. Um. Uh. So it, it they're they're really all over the place, man. What's the What's the kind of most wacky zany thing you've seen in the time that you've been doing Bit Summit? Like, what's the thing that 
when when you when you were like i mean i mean some of the stuff you probably have seen that that maybe not maybe didn't make the cut the craziest um, the craziest game is probably yeah. um there is a kind of a, a game developer circle here oh what is, what is her name i can't remember right now i, I forgot the name of the circle but um the circle like, like another name or name for like group um here in japan and they had they made this game where you use a bottle of shampoo as a controller. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a side-scrolling um, shooter. And on the screen is a bottle of shampoo. And like you had and your controller is a bottle of shampoo and you squirt it to shoot. What? <laughs> um there was a there was a game last last year called uh Blanco and Kick, which means like swing and kick, and mm. and it's a VR game. And you would they actually have this setup where you sit in um um uh you sit in, in a like makeshift swing and you put the vr stuff on and you put the oculus controls on your feet instead of on your hands and huh. um it's like a it's a on-rail shooter and you 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 know swing and kick and shoot at the same time what so see, this, this is, see, this is the wild. stuff that I wish was over here too, though. Like that's the stuff that I'm just like, I want those things to translate and come over here in some form or fashion. Then it, has it has there ever been a, a conversation around kind of bringing some of those kinds of games to to to, to the U.S. in some form or fashion? That's like, here's a way that you'll be able to experience Bit Summit games, you know, in the U.S. Well, you can, I mean, if you want to, obviously a lot of your listeners are probably like 99.9% of the listeners that cannot, you know, come out to, to, uh, to Kyoto next week uh, sure. for the show uh, or this week, I guess this is going to be published on Tuesday. Cannot yeah. come out to Kyoto this week for the show. Um, even like we tried to get you to come out as well, but you know, it was kind of last minute, so we couldn't make it happen. Next year, but, next um, year, 2020, I'm down. I'm rolling. 2020, let's do it. Um, 2020 is happening. But you can watch the show online on Twitch. Um, oh, and fantastic. that stuff will, I guess we can put it in the show notes. Uh, we have three channels. We have a stage channel, um, on the stage, there'll be like platinum games is coming up. Um, uh, Kazutoshi Ida, Ida, who did, uh, uh, um, Aquanauts holiday and tale of the sun and, mm. uh, Kyojin, the giant, he's going to be on stage. Um, uh, who else is there? I think Yoshi P from Sony. Uh, he always um, contributes. Um, any other big Japanese developers? Uh, 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 Iga um, of Castlevania fame. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can see all those guys on the stage. Uh, and then we have um, two other streams: one for just for Let's Plays, uh, and another one for for interviews. Um, and those um, there'll be tons of games that you can see see there also. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like this, the kind of games I mentioned, those are very like alt control games. If you ever been to GDC, you know, alt control, yeah, uh, like kind of alternative control games. Um, and shout out to Robin Baumgarten and, and his team. Uh, those oh, guys man. spearhead that, that cool stuff. Robin, that Robin, stuff. man, I love Robin. <laughs> you should have Robin on the show. Well, I'm dying to get Robin on the show. I've like no joke for real, for real. If like there are very few things like I am not a person who likes stuff. Mm. I, I want one of Robin Bumgarner's Gardner's uh 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 what do you, his garden 
His garden, because uh, you can't really call them games, but they're like installations, right? Yeah, they're installations. Yeah. Like, I, like if anyone in the world is listening to this podcast right now, please make a GoFundMe so you can make a Robin Bumgarner uh, line wobbler GoFundMe for me and one of the garden joints. Because it's like, if you've never seen it, it is one of the most beautiful things on the planet. And it's like yeah. amazing. But we going, showed we showed Lawn Wobbler at Bit Summit like two years ago, and we should, actually we 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 talked to them this year about like kind of having an alt control showcase during Bit Bit Summit, but but it's really it's expensive to fly people out, man. So you know we're yeah. still like a a uh, everyone that runs this show has a you know a separate job, like you said. Like I I, I work for a publisher here, um, you know Q and Pygmy and Skeleton Crew, they all have their own games that they're developing and and you know so it's the, the show is made pop and doing a show in japan is pretty expensive so mm. um uh you know we are definitely super thankful to all the the developers and that come out all the way and the publishers that that you know pony up and and really put their money where their mouths are as far as like supporting indies um and i think that like every year you can see that people that there's a lot of interest worldwide for uh, these different types of games because, you know, every year we have more publishers that want to be part of the show because they want to come and meet developers. You know, they want their games to be here for the Japanese public to see, but they also want it to come out and, and meet developers and find like that next big thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How, how is the public take to the, to the show? Is it, is it always pretty, pretty, pretty packed or. Is it always something where, you know, you, you'll get a lot of feedback post-show that's like, this was fantastic, I like this, and, and all that stuff? Yeah, it's been um, really good, man. Like I said, we keep growing every year. Um, I think this year we'll probably have about, we're shooting for like 15,000 people. And we and this is like with like, you know, our our PR and marketing is is has always, I think, been one of the weakest points of, you know, to be honest, as an organization. Sure. For us, so... A lot, a lot of the people that come to the show, it's like word of mouth. Um, and and we have a wide variety of, of you know, like casual gamers, gamers of all ages um, um, coming to the show. People who, who are in the industry, you know, people that live in Japan, gamers that live in Japan, they love it. Um, so it's been, it's been, uh, yeah. So far, so good. You know, I hope it gets better. You know, like one of the one of the sponsors um, this year told me that they had a choice between coming to TGS or going to Bit Summit, and they chose us instead of TGS. So that was really humbling. Yeah, that's dope. That's super dope. For folks who don't know, Tokyo Game Show is one of the biggest, biggest, biggest uh, conventions out in Japan for games, mm-hmm. and 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 Bit Summit I can see is absolutely nipping their heels and about to take over the world uh in, in yo, real ways crazy 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 story quickly like like yeah of course after we we did maybe the first or the second bit summit the folks from tgs came to us and they were like with a note but like notepad in hand like how did you do it because at that time there was no indie area in tgs huh there were it, like that that's a new development there was no indie area and so they came to us and they were like how did you do it and we were like yeah you know we, but at that time, it was it was free for developers, or you know, it's still it's still we're still pretty cheap for developers. Um, but it was it was like you know we we provide them with equipment, and you know we try to get them signage, and you know, 
uh, we, and we get them. We have you know interpreters for them so that they can they can speak to you know if you're Japanese and you have Western press here, you can talk to them and vice versa. Mm. Um, and they came like, how did you guys do this? And they were like shocked because for them, you know, if you, you go down to to Magari Messe out in Chiba where the show is run, you know, it's a huge show. And they have huge companies that come and spend, you know, you know, like a million dollars on the show. Um, wow. and, we, and we were like, yo, these, none of the people that we work with, sponsors or developers can do something like that. So we try to make, we try to do everything on a shoestring budget so we can make the show as accessible to possible as possible to everyone. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's just one way that I think the show is, is, has really pushed indies in Japan to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, every again, like every time I hear folks talk about Bit Summit, it's always in glowing terms. It's always like, yo, I'm so happy I got a chance to go and, and represent or go and, and, and experience the show. Uh, and, it, and again, it's just a testament to all the hard work that you and the rest of the, the crew have been doing over the past couple of years, building something up from nothing to something that's been fairly, fairly big. Um and well received yeah. and well respected. So you get to yeah, thank you, you get to pat yourself on the back and also the rest of the crew when you get to go see them. Uh, it's it's you... so funny, man, because <laughs> because as as uh the event you know organizer um and you know now like I I've been organizing the event you know since the beginning and then just last year you know I became one of the owners of the show and so for me it's like you know it's like my baby and hmm. and people and people will come you know, during the show I, and they're like, oh, you know, I love this. Someone, I love this and that. And like the first thing you know, I was like, I, you can see something that you make. You can look at it. You know, you can talk to an artist or something or a game developer and, and they all they can see is the flaws. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's, and so it's really refreshing to to have people come to you and tell you, you know, the things they, they that they love about it. Um, and it's really hard at the same time to not sh- shoot their, you know, genuine feedback. And, and feelings down and, and crush them with the reality of what <laughs> everything really is. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had to like, kind of, kind of, I was talking to my assistant before, before I came on and she was like, she's like, all right, when you get on podcast, I'll go on there and start talking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, don't worry. I called my parents before the podcast and like vented to them about all my frustrations for like 20 minutes. So I got it all out of my system. <laughs> Yeah, but you got to do it though, right? You got yeah. you got to figure out ways to balance out and and kind of so get that get that painful. get that bad juju out of the, of the yeah, body. Yeah. But exactly. but for real, it's always been dope to be able to 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 see you and the rest of the crew push as hard as you all do. And it, it it's the same with y'all, man. The same the same with spawn on me, man. I mean, I'm I'm super. I, you know, like uh, I guess it was like two years ago when I I or maybe last year at GD. Um, when I saw you guys over there sitting at the VIP stage section in, in the in the IGF wards, and I I came like I came over and I was like, ah, look at this ninja out here! Somebody snuck us in. I ain't got nothing to do with us. No, just well, they, that's what you saw. Kelly came and got me too. They, <laughs> that's what I'm saying we, though. We were adding some color to the to the uh, to the otherwise very vanilla. Um. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. Up in the yes, front. Yes, indeed. Yes, we were. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. we can do it. Hopefully, we can do it again next year. I didn't um, even go to that to the idea for wars this year. Did you? Were you there? No, sadly, I couldn't even make it to to GDC at all this year. I was in um, 
Oh, I was uh, traveling abroad. I went to Barcelona uh, during that time of the year this year. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, I was like, oh, snap, out here in Barcelona doing some stuff, hanging out. It was it was fun, but I did but like G, like I tell everybody who listens to the show is like GDC is and continues to be my favorite show of most of the conferences yes. that I go to. Yeah, be- because we get to break bread with folks like you and, and, and developers and yeah, talk, yeah. talk to folks and, and their guard is down in a, in a fantastic way. So, yeah, um, no one's like, no one's out attending you know, the booths, you know, or very few people, you know, everyone is there to network. It's, it is really one of my, my favorite events. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we did, I did the Asian game showcase. Oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't miss, I didn't mention like our partnership with the mix this year. We, we are hoping yes. to have uh, Justin Woodward from the mix uh, join us today. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but he's like super busy getting ready for both Bit summit and, um, and E3. Um, but yeah, so, so Justin, like last year at, at, uh, at E3, you know, we started to chop it up and, and he was like, yeah, we want to do something, um, out in Asia. And, um, and I was like, well, you know, let's make it happen. And they, they actually did a show during the Taipei game show. They did an event, um, last, last summer. Mm -hmm. And we kind of took that as the, um, the, the, the blueprint and, Mm -hmm. um, so this year on Friday, before the show starts, we have Bit Summit uh, cross the mix. <laughs> um, I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's Bit Summit the mix um, event happening actually in the same the same venue because we don't want the developers to have to you know pack their stuff up and go somewhere else and then bring it back. Right. So we have this um this uh this event with them um and and they've been helping us you know put put it together um. And it's just a, an event for like any, if you don't know what the mix is, it's like it stands for um, media indie exchange. And uh, it basically all we've invited all the media um, that we can get our hands on to come out and, and have like two and a half hours to, to play the games um, and to meet with the developers in a setting where the developers don't have to like sit in, at their booth and, and kind of, um, be pitching, you know, you know, the whole mm. event is about everybody getting together and, and breaking bread and getting to know each other before, before the masses come in the next day. Um, and we have, uh, David Hellman who did, uh, who was an artist who worked on braid, uh, and, uh, and comic called second quest. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did the art for, for a poster and it's dope. It's the samurai. Um, it's super good. It's super cool and and yeah, so we're really excited about that, man. Um, Oculus is is our sponsor, and they're bringing like you know six or seven like new VR games there. Um, nice. We have some other sponsors. Another indie from China came in and as a sponsor. Um, uh, two game, two P Games, another Chinese sponsor came in, um, and uh, and Limited Run Games. Um, uh, shout out to Doug. Uh, Another Southern boy. Um, <laughs> Doug is good people. Um, yeah, they they they're they're a sponsor as well. So you know we're really really happy to all of them for for you know allowing us to kind of throw this little mini event inside of this summit as a whole. Yeah, I love I love the folks over at the mix too. Justin is one of my favorite people as well. Like he, it, I was hoping that he was going to be here so I could uh, sh- shower him with kudos and thank yous. Uh, because he has he has like really no idea how he has helped to set a uh, set a fire underneath my butt 
over the past couple of years with a lot of the stuff that he's been doing. Um, so I mean, I, it's, it's good to see, man. It's good to see. Like, I like I love when I when I meet, you know, I mean, I don't know if you can tell from my accent and my demeanor or my mean, I mean, you can't see me, but my diction that I, you know, I'm I'm black. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm black, yep. y'all. I'm black, y'all. Black and black and black, black, y'all. It's really, really refreshing to be able to actually to to drop references like that and have somebody get that get it. But um, so yeah, and I've been here. I've been in the industry for like ten years, and I've been in Japan for a long time. And and when I get to run into other people of color in the industry, you know. It's it's really you know to, that are successful is really really special to me and it, it inspires me, um, and and you know we all have we have I think very unique experiences in all of this. I think we look at it in a much different way than than um, than a lot of other people do, and not in a bad way. It's just you know everyone everyone's perspective is is colored by their experience and um, mm. the 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 black experience in life or in, in games or the, the, you know, the people of color, our experience is a little bit different. You know, it's not, you know, better or worse. You know, I don't think that it deserves to be, to be, to be placed in some kind of special box and, and that, you know, we should be given kind of some kind of special treatment, but we should also, you know, recognize that it's different. Um, and having spaces and having people that, that validate that, um, like your podcast is like super, super important. And I'm, I'm really glad that you guys um, offer that space, you know. Thank you, fam. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and from the bottom of my heart, it means it means a lot to hear that from from you and other people who I look to in the space to both guide me through my through my almost Japanese a- adventure whenever that winds up happening. <laughs> and I get to live vicariously through through both of y'all. Uh, nah, Ninja, I'm going to do, I'm do you like like the first time. When I like not the first time, but when I came to move here, uh, I, I got onto I landed in Rita and I put my baggage on the train and then I was like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And I got off the, the train to go to the bathroom and I came back and the train was gone. And wow. so my my first day in Japan was like traveling like all the way. And, and Narita is, is not in Tokyo, by the way, even though it was the only international, it's like the Tokyo kind of international airport. And so so I had to call Scott Popular and be like, yo the train took my bags and I don't know where they are <laughs> my first night, bruh, my first day here and like try and like my Japanese wasn't good and his wasn't good. And we had to like travel around Tokyo. It was like the first quest trying to find where my <laughs> stuff was. And it ended up being like way out in Kawasaki, like, which is like West side of like, of Kanto. Um, like the, the pre, like uh, Tokyo's prefecture. Right. And, uh, um, and then like basically picking up the bags and then trying to get the last train back to where he lived and like running to do transfers and missing the train and like having to take a cab to a party that somebody was throwing. This is like the first night, man. That's, oh my God. Japanese adventure. So when you get here, good luck. Oh, that's perfect. That you know what? That is the perfect place to end this episode <laughs> with me stranded in Japan and my man John being like, "Nah, son, I don't know what you're gonna do. I ain't gonna I be able to gonna do, do it. Not gonna nah. be able to do it." Um, fam, as always, it is 
always good to talk to you. It is always good to have you on the show. It is fantastic to see all the wonderful things that you're doing with BitSummit. Before I let you go, let everybody know where everything is going to be able to be seen, you know, all the dates, all the websites, all the social media stuff for BitSummit. All right. So uh, you can find all the information on bitsummit.org. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at BitSummit, or if you want to be brave and follow us in Japanese, uh, at BitSummitJP. Uh, we're also on Instagram at BitSummit. You can find us on Facebook, BitSummit, basically bit, 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 BitSummit everywhere. Uh, if you want to follow me, uh, I'm at Porkins. Uh, that's P-0-R-K-1-N-S because I'm leet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and Porkins is pretty common uh, on pretty much every platform. And you can see that I, I don't I don't really post anything until I until I'm like venting. So if you want to see me vent online, <laughs> you want to see me rant online, <laughs> follow me. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like the stress gets built up and then just like, all right, Twitter, here I come. <laughs> and then I get a whole bunch of messages like, Johnny, you OK, I guess I'm. <laughs> I'm making it through. I'm making it through. And then you uh, just had to talk. Yeah, basically. Basically. Everybody at home in Chicago, thank you again for checking out the show this week and every week. We love you so, so very much. Uh, make sure that you're checking out our stuff on twitch.tv slash spawn on me. Uh, definitely uh, hit us up on our GoFundMe. We are trying to hit up all the conferences for 2019 and 2020. Uh, so make sure you hit those uh, links in our show notes. And uh, we're going to give you some social media business right now. But until then, we say peace. The Spawn on Me podcast can be found every Tuesday on all podcast platforms and Portland Radio at xray.fm at 107.1 slash 91.1. You can find us live every Thursday on twitch.tv slash on me. If you want to reach out to us on the show, you can hit us up on our site, spawnonme.com, where you can find all our social media information about our Twitter, Instagram, and everything else alongside our contact page if you want to reach out and shoot us a message or a business inquiry. Much love to you all. Thank you so much for listening every week. And we say... Peace.